It is officially draft week, and there's no two people I'd rather be with than the two voices of Stick to Football and the two guys I'm going to be with on draft night. Matt Miller, who is out in Missouri, and Connor Rogers, who is in New Jersey. Uh, You've, of course, been listening to them all year round. It is now draft week. Smoke screens are starting to come out about, oh, Giants and Herbert, all this nonsense. Where are you guys, though, right now, Miller? I'll start with you just as we get ready, just a few days before draft, what has caught your actual attention? Yeah, guys, I don't know about you. I'm busier than I've ever been this year. It seems like something about being home. It's it's tripled the workload, which is, you know, I think we're all just fortunate that we have a job right now, so I won't complain. Um, it, the, right now, the biggest thing is just trying to figure out who's going where. I was on a call last night with the GM, and, and we were joking about how Normally, we have an annual Sunday night phone call before the draft. We do it we've done, every year that I've, I've been at Bleacher Report. We've done this. And, and he said, you know, usually by now, you could at least tell me the position, if not the player, for a lot of teams. And it, it feels like neither of us know anything this year. You know, there's just so much uncertainty. So, you know, when things come out like the Giants have done work on Justin Herbert, I'm sure they have. Every team's right. done work on every player. I don't believe that they would draft him at number four overall. Just like I don't believe Henry Ruggs is falling to the 20s for the Chiefs to trade up for. Those are the types of things right now where I'm not taking a shot at anyone in media because I have been used as well, and I'm sure I have been this year and just don't know it. This is when GMs call in those favors. It's when agents call in those favors of, you know, hey, why don't you, will you hit my guy this week? Bump him up a little bit, tweet something Mm -hmm. out about him just to get him back in people's mind. So it's, it's silly season. It really is. I'm ready for the draft to be here because there's real intrigue this year uh, for all of us uh, as far as who's going to be drafted where. Yeah, I'm with you Connor, on that. Uh, other ahead, than like, like in terms of like diagramming silly season for you and all that, but what, where do you just where do you stand right now? And is there anything that you do believe that is coming out? That's cr- anything crazy you mean or anything surprising? Anything that you're seeing that you go, oh, wait, there's actually there could be some credibility to that. I believe the Browns will move out of 10 if they find an offer they like. That's the one I buy because the Browns are so unpredictable. This is something Miller and I have talked about on Stick to Football a lot. When we do all the mock drafts, yeah, we know the Browns need a left tackle. And we know there's going to be a really good one there at pick number 10 for them to take. We also know nothing about how this analytics-based front office wants to operate right now. The guys they value might not be the same players that Miller and I value as the top four tackles in this class. So I think for the Browns, maybe they do like an Ezra Cleveland. I I don't know when you look at it. Maybe they want to move out of 10, and maybe the trade to come up with the Browns won't be as much as you expect. And Lefko, we've heard it with your Eagles. They want to probably come up for a wide receiver. I get it. The Broncos want to come up for a wide receiver. The Falcons want to come up for C.J. Henderson or Javon Kinlaw or whoever it is on defense to help Dan Quinn's unit. So when you look at it, I think the Browns is one where I buy them picking up the phone and saying, we don't have the same consensus on these top four tackles like everyone else does. If our guy is right. not there, we'll answer and we'll move. And that is analytic. Like, that's what the analytics say you should do, actually, is trade Absolutely. back, acquire more picks, more swings of the bat, more chances to hit a home run. And for them, it might not even be like, we're not saying they don't like Andrew Thomas, but they might see the difference between Ezra Cleveland and Andrew Thomas as insignificant compared to what they can get in extra picks but i'm curious there as well connor because with andrew barry we all just assume that it's going to be money ball you know it's gonna be draft ball type type picking but this dude who was with the eagles maybe he looks at makai becton and says it's jason peters that's what we need so it's this is going to be a draft where we learn a lot about some we're gonna learn a lot about the arizona cardinals carolina panthers 
the new Cleveland Browns so that we can, you know, really start trying to Joe break Douglas. the front offices down. We've never yeah, seen Joe him D. put yeah. his name on a draft. Maybe we know him as the guy right. running the draft, but he's not the GM in Philadelphia. That's true. I just, yeah. I just want to note that I was able to look through all of my teams because you two are so in the zone right now that you just did a solid eight minutes of really good podcasting. <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like I'm hosting a dinner party. Like that was really right. good. So it's funny, like I'm going through the first round and I think, okay, there's a few things I'm interested in. One of the storylines is all of the teams with multiple picks. I see five. Miami has three. And these are in the first round. Jacksonville has two. Uh, Las Vegas has two. San Francisco and Minnesota. And what we forget is they don't just have multiple picks from the sky. They've given up studs to get these picks. Yeah. So when you realize it's Jalen Ramsey, Khalil Mack, DeForest Buckner, Stefan Diggs, and Laramie Tunsil, you go, and make it oh, Patrick. And yeah. Mika Fitzpatrick, you go, oh, these right. weren't just free first-round picks. Yeah. These teams have to nail these guys because that is the number one corner, the number one pass rusher, a top tackle, a top D lineman, and Stefan Diggs, who's a top 10 wide receiver. Um, there are other names, though, that could be traded on draft night. The Yannick Ngakwes, we're now hearing Leonard Fournette. Of course, there's like the Andy Daltons of the world. But I'm curious, are you guys paying attention to that right now? Who are the the blue chippers that could be moved on draft day, Miller? You have to. And I think it's hard. Like, so this year I'm trying something different. Jamal uh, Adams, Connor. Jamal Adams, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Early. So as we're sitting here Monday morning, I'm working on my final mock draft. And one thing I'm doing different this year is I'm making the pick, I'm explaining the pick, and then I'm throwing in. But here's like here's some of the other stuff we're hearing that might happen. And so with a right. lot of these teams, you're like, um, you know, the the Buccaneers at 14 could draft a tackle. They could also trade for Trent Williams. You know, so you have to have like there's an alternate universe where something else happens. With the Jags at nine, it, we don't think they would take an edge rusher like Kayla Von Chase on unless they trade Yannick Ngakwe. Mm. So you have to almost have these like built-in, you know, domino effects of right now this is chalk. This is what we think will happen. But if they move this guy, here's what could happen. And like for the Jags in round two or three, I gave them a running back because I expect if Fournette's not traded, he'll be cut. So right. you try to factor things like that in of, you know, Trent Williams, Washington doesn't have a second round pick. So you would love to give them a tackle in round two, like an Austin Jackson, if he were to fall or Josh Jones, uh, but they don't it's have that Wilson. pick. So you, right. you know, you end up with that as well. Yeah, I think it's a great point. When you look at the players that could be moved, it sets off an entire different board. I mean, you go back to Jamal Adams. If the Jets get a first and a second rounder, they might dip into this really good safety class in the second round. Not the first round, but the second round. And, and then you're wondering who won't have their pick anymore. Would it be Dallas? And then you bring up Trent Williams, Miller. It's almost like it's really become nut-cutting time for the Redskins and go. Jaguars because, I, I mean, Yannick Ngakwe, how long is this going to go on? Trent Williams, how long is this going to go on? Now we have the mecca of the offseason event to move and acquire players and picks. Those two names have to be moved, in my opinion. It's a lot of pressure. Right? Like if you don't do it by if you don't do it by Saturday night, what are you doing? Like you said, uh, a favorite stick to football phrase. It's nut cutting time. Yeah. Because otherwise you're you're gonna be standing there Sunday and the value on these players has just bottomed out. As we look back now at the Khalil Mack trade, and we see, I think this is going to wrap it up for the Raiders with 12 and 19. Uh, as you guys kind of listen and, and look at what they could get here, what do you think of the value with the picks they've made last year and who could be available in the teams? I think so much of it rides, guys, on what happens with Cleveland Farrell because he just yeah. he didn't play terribly, but he didn't play yeah. great. Like Max Crosby was great, right? Cleveland Farrell was like, yeah, it's okay. sacks for Crosby. 
so if you come out of this draft, if you take CeeDee Lamb at 12 and Trevon Diggs at 19, and they both become really, really good. Yeah. Oh, well, then that looks okay because it's not just about we lost this great player and we replaced them with these two good ones. It's about your financial health as a franchise. So we replaced a $100 million pass rusher with five starters. That's where you want to be. Um, so I think that's with Oakland. You're right. This does kind of put a button on it. Yeah, Comment, but I, look, I want to interrupt. Yeah. I want to interrupt you because I want to ask you about something else. Yep. The, the, the zones that we've talked about in the draft – we could see four offensive linemen, offensive tackles go in the top 10. There's another like spot for offensive tackles towards the end of the first round. We obviously know about the wide receiver zones, 11 to 15, probably about 19 to 25, because you got the Vikings, the Eagles, and all those other teams in there. Which position of all the ones that you've looked at do you think you could end up being the most wrong about? Because I feel like we're at that point where we're really settling into those grooves which one are you like? I could be totally wrong. In terms of like player evaluations? In terms of more of like how we think this first round can go, of how we've mapped it out now. I personally think offensive line. Like I have valued Jedrick Wills as the number one guy for months now. And then Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas right behind him. If that got shooken up where the Giants take Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs, and then we we see Jedrick Wills fall to 11. Like, that's a scenario where I was wrong. I thought Jedrick Wills was the tier one offensive tackle and should not make it beyond seven. So I think that's a scenario, Lefko, where it's like, whoa, why did I value this player so much higher than the consensus of the NFL? Lefko, I think if I can add on to that, I think it would be similarly the offensive tackle group. For months, we've said four are going to go in the top 11. Might not be the case, especially mm-hmm. depending on what happens with trades. You know, the fourth tackle could go 14. So I think that's one of the things where just you've heard for for months now, you know, three quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10, uh, four tackles are going to go in the top 11, right. and three receivers are going to go in the top 15. You're running out of picks. You know, yeah, that's like that's what I'm saying, uh, you know, so I think that's the hard part. That's the one thing like I wish we had more time to talk about throughout the draft season of let's do it right I was, now. I, I, so I was writing this morning and it's like there's these guys and I end up in the top around two and I'm like. There's like eight guys here who I think could be first rounders and people are going to be so pissed at me because Jeremy Chin goes in round two and everyone on Twitter said this is a round one player. There's 32 fucking picks like it doesn't matter. You can have 50 round one guys. There's 32 picks. And so I think, you know, there's not going to be eight wide receivers drafted. There's not going to be seven offensive tackles. You just you run out of real estate at some point. And I think that goes back to a guy like Jordan Love. Like, I can't find a home for Jordan Love right now in the first round. It doesn't matter how many times I could sit there and say, oh, he'll be good on the Saints. And then it looks I was right that he was a top 30 player. I don't think to that point about it, to that point about it, the two teams that would draft a quarterback at the end of the first round, they're not going to invest first round capital in a quarterback right right now. Aaron Rodgers is trying to win a Super Bowl. Drew Brees is trying to win a Super Bowl. You know, exactly. like, and the, the Steelers don't pick until round three. So you, you get to a point where it's, it's, that's why I've said from the beginning, it's New England or bust. Cause, and if Belichick doesn't want Jordan Love, which he might sit there and get like the linebacker from Wisconsin, cause who the hell knows? But I just, Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think though, it's, it's, it's what a lot of people try, like, you want to challenge things. So what are we seeing that's fact right now that could easily be wrong? The two facts that I see is it's Barrow Young. And I don't think that that's changing. I really don't. After that, (laughs) I think the only thing that's a fact is that people are giving a quarterback at either five or six to the Dolphins or Chargers. 
And can I raise the my Dolphins hand on that can one? Wait. Yeah, do it. I don't know. And I was telling Lefko before we started recording the thing that like the the probably the most annoying thing I'm hearing right now because it just changes everything we've thought for four months is that the Dolphins and Chargers could both take a tackle at five and six because they, and they and both that, need it badly, badly, badly. I would argue they their tackles are worse than their quarterbacks. Yes, because and the so Chargers. Like, yes, I they signed Brian Balaka, but he's playing on the right side. You have nothing on the left. Sam Tevi has been yeah. abysmal, and then you and they have Tyrod Taylor, who they seem to have confidence in, and the they Dolphins like are sitting there. The Dolphins have the worst offensive line in football. The wor- so you, you're going to put a rookie right. quarterback behind the most sacks and the worst pass offense with Julian Davenport, and he's not even good. And Eric Flowers is the one thing where you're going, hey, at least we got Eric Flowers. But we got Eric Flowers, It's a crazy sentence. So you could get a top four offensive lineman, and then – I, I just I think I could I could see no quarterbacks going there, Miller. I've been thinking about it all weekend. Well, yeah, I think, it's yeah. wild, right? I think the but super I do think woke idea is that the Dolphins take a tackle at five and then they come up from eighteen for a falling Herbert or Tua. That's like the super woke idea for the Dolphins. Now, if you're going to uh, do that, you are really rolling the dice. And if for a fan base that you just basically told, "Hey, we're going to mail in this season and trade a tackle," and then you take a tackle at five. I, I I like the strategy. I don't know if it's easy to sell. It's incredibly ballsy just to say we're going to pass on a quarterback at five, but we have 18 and 26 that will package together to come get Tua yeah. or Herbert or Love when instead you're like, we killed Dave Gettleman for doing this last year. I was just going to say, it's just, an anti-Giants. Just draft the quarterback. Yeah. You know, no, we mm. killed him because he took Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker after that. But just you just take the quarterback and then you use 18 you're not getting Laramie Tunsil is the problem. You know, you're not getting that caliber of player. When I look as I go down the the top 10 and all that, I think Carolina is in the perfect position where they truly need any of the positions that are going to fall to them. They have the worst linebacking yeah. core that I've seen in that franchise's history. They could use Simmons. They have no corners other than Dante Jackson, so they can use anybody that falls there, whether it's Henderson or Akuda. And they need a lot of D-line help, so they could use Brown. They're in, like, the best spot I've ever seen. Now, Jacksonville... There's just there's there's a number of teams I think Carolina at 7, Jacksonville at 9 that who I have no idea where they're going to go but they need everything. And the only team yeah. that can get screwed is Cleveland because if they don't get a tackle they really don't need a lot of that other stuff. Well, I think if Cleveland doesn't get a tackle that means Isaiah Simmons is probably available and they would take him because they do need someone in the middle of that defense even though uh, as you quizzed us the other day they did get Carl Joseph uh, right. but I don't think you can count on him to to do a whole lot. So I think for Cleveland your your worst case scenario is that you get Isaiah Simmons there and then you get Ezra Cleveland in the second round a guy who it does sound like they like so I think there's a, a contingency plan there at least you're right for Carolina Isaiah Simmons just feels that feels like home for him if he's there right and with Jacksonville they are they are hard to figure out because do they go with one of the tackles it, it doesn't I mean it seems like they could and maybe should but it seems like defense is the direction they're trending. That's where I go, Lefko. Something you and I talked about. It seems like C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chase on Isaiah Simmons, it, that trio yeah. of players is, is what you do at Jacksonville. Man, it's just what's so exciting to me about this draft is you have a lot of guys with athletic potential and a lot of short resumes. You know, it, we're seeing this more and more now with these underclassmen coming out. But the amount of times that I wrote down really one year of production and, and this is at, at a lot of positions 
that yeah. it's there's so much doubt that somebody like a Calevon Chase on you can compare him to Daniil Hunter and then you could turn like Isaiah Simmons. I could see people comparing him to Deion Jordan if they really wanted to. I'm not saying that it's that, but I'm like <laughs> the idea, like the way Deion Jordan was talked about the way that Isaiah Simmons is talked about. I'm not saying they're equal. Yeah, I'm no, just you're saying right. You're right. You're right. Though, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, but on the same side, Isaiah Simmons could be Sean Taylor, you know. So it's sure. like the the ceiling versus the floor with these guys, and I think even with some of the offensive tackles like uh, Mecky Becton, uh, Austin Jackson, like Austin Jackson's twenty one years old, he had no power this year because he did a bone marrow transplant for his sister. He's like this cool. awesome story, but it's like, what are you getting out of him? Because if you watch the Iowa game, he got his ass kicked, and you hope it's not that. And in the Pac twelve, he. You know, outside of Utah, who also hurt him, you didn't really see anyone. So I think there's, there are a lot of guys like that. And you could say Joe Burrow even. That's if you a conversation. To, you could say Joe Burrow. That's a conversation to me. We talk about Austin Jackson going in the top 20 picks all the time, and I know we don't value him there. The guys going after that whooped his ass. AJ Epinesa, Bradley and I. I mean, there's more sample size. Julian Okwara did too. Julian yeah. Okwara. That's the third one I was trying to think of. That to me is concerning. It's upside, right? It's that dangerous word when it comes to scouting is upside. And and that's why we tried to do something different this year with the draft 400 is there's upside and there's an up, there's a ceiling and there's a floor. So it's like yeah. if this guy hits his markers, you know, Becton could be Bryant McKinney if he hits those markers. If he he could also eat himself out of the league in a couple of years like that quote came out of like, oh, he likes to cook. And we all made fun of it. It needed context. It's like this is a guy who struggled with weight. And when he's not playing football, he likes to sit at home and cook. That could be a dangerous combination. It's not that he likes to cook. It's that he was 380 pounds and he likes to cook. I will say that as I look around at all the mock drafts, the um, there are three guys that I think that mock draft people are um, pushing too low. And I think the reason is they're not looking enough at the depth of that position. And tell me if I'm crazy. I'm seeing a lot of mocks Kinlaw fall. And I think in terms of disruptive defensive line players, there's really not that many. And I could see Kinlaw going as high as seven to Carolina. Like, I, like I think that could be a chance. I look at Caleb on Chase on after him and Chase Young. Who are you getting to rush the quarterback in this draft other than Gross Matto? You know what? I, like, I just think that the drop off is so big. And then also Cesar Ruiz, where we've seen teams more willing to draft interior offensive linemen, especially with how important the, uh, the uh, interior offensive line is. But I feel like those three guys, I'm not seeing Ruiz in first rounds anywhere. And I'm seeing Chase on fall to the 20s in some mocks and Kinlaw fall. And I think those are wrong just based on uh, depth. Connor, am I crazy here? No, not at all. I think Chason goes in the top 17 picks. That's a lock. I would bet much higher. Uh, Kinlaw, the only thing I could think of is, and I haven't been able to verify this, but I've heard rumors that there might be some knee concerns or lower body uh, medical concerns. So that'll be different for each team. I think the upside with Kinlaw, though, you would start at seven because he's an absolute wrecker and he's only gotten so much better in such a short span of time. Ruiz, that one's very interesting to me because on the stick to football mocks, I think he's been in the first round for, I want to say, Miller before the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Lefko, you need to read my mocks because I have yeah. all these guys going early. I think with Kinlaw, you could start at nine with Jacksonville. Uh, that could be a spot for him. And I do not think he would get past Atlanta unless they trade up uh, with Chase on. I don't think he gets oh, past Atlanta Dallas. Would lose their mind. And right. And I, think, and I think with Ruiz, like that's that's who I hope the Niners draft if they stay at 31. He could play guard. He did it 2018, I believe. 
uh, excuse me, 17, and then played center. And with Weston Rickberg's injury, with them not having great interior line play, I think he makes a ton of sense for Kyle Shanahan. When I went through the first round, I kept seeing Ruiz at the Patriots at 23. If there's truth yeah. to like the, the Tooney trade yeah, block maybe. type of thing. He they valued- just have not been a team that's valued the offensive line that early. I know they took Isaiah Wynn hasn't yeah. completely panned out yet you know like they they find the marcus cannons you know the, right. the guys who are later in the draft Tooney. if i had to <laughs> if yeah Tooney, if i had to bet on the patriots it would be linebacker or edge rusher like it would be gross matos epinesa or kenneth murray like those those three guys i would almost take them versus the field you know why i love gross matos because the two teams i see him getting mocked to all the time are the ravens and the patriots and I feel like when people do mocks, they give players they respect to those teams. And I feel like Gross Matos is like, I'm just your run of the mill, 6'5", 250, play the run and the pass. And it's like, we'll give you to a team that knows how to win. Like, that's how I feel like people are treating yeah. him. Kenneth Murray's the same way. It's like, oh, you're a captain and you're super productive and you're this high Kenneth character Murray, guy. Kenneth Murray on the Ravens. You want to talk about a team. Oh, it's, that, it's perfect. Like, me, I was texting with Connor this weekend about his Jets. And the thing that excited me the most about looking at the Jets roster was realizing that they just pretty much took the Ravens linebacking core because now it's on Wasu and CJ Mosley. And I just don't think people realize that. And as, as Connor has told me many times, a lot of the Jets defense was based around CJ Mosley and he played a game like a freaking yeah. game. And yep. I, and I, I look at and I go, wow, the Ravens really don't have linebackers for the first time in 20 years. And they're at they're at New York, and I was I was excited for Connor's defense because I think they were like number two against the run, and I don't really think they had anybody last year. No, it was all like the fourth rounders and street free agents, and you know guys that McCagnan took on day three. And Greg Williams doesn't really get enough credit for for developing players like that. My only problem about Greg is he's a lot like Wade Phillips, where they usually do well in their first year, and then it's by the second year that messaging wears off, and they drop to a middle fired. of the pack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is right. a concern. Uh, I want to go over because I'm going to make some bets this week, and I'm going to give you the lines that I have. Uh, can you guys help me make some money? Let's do you it. You got it. Okay, we're going to first start off because I want to make some money with a top three trifecta, nailing one, two, three in order. And it's not easy because number three, we don't know who's taking it. But I right. would say it's definitely going Burrow Young. Would you guys agree? Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. All right. Let me hear who you guys would go with at number three, or would you like to hear the odds and pick based on value? Uh, let me I, hear who you yeah. think it's going to be, and then I'll tell you the odds. I think it'll be Herbert. Okay. I'm going to ride with Tua. Okay. Herbert plus 350. Tua plus 400. The favorite is Akuda at minus 120. Other ones with interesting odds. Derek Brown at plus 800. Yeah. Simmons at plus 800. And those, those are two. So you would say Herbert and Tua plus 350 plus 400. Pretty good value. Yeah, not bad. And, and it's, it's assuming that as we get closer to the draft, that price drops for Miami to trade out. You know, it's, or for Detroit to trade out, excuse me, like you might be asking for a second round pick at this point. So Miami keeps the three first rounders and they, they make sure that no one jumps them to get their guy. Derek Brown is plus 800. Yes. That's kind of What do you nice. think about that? It's kind of nice. Not going to lie. I, I would throw, this is when I like get kind of fun and just throw like a five or tenner on it. This is what I love. So now we know, and, and Miller, you picked Herbert. Yep. 
Okay, so Herbert and Tua were the two picks, but if you want value, Derek Brown there at plus 800 is not bad. I like that. Next up, which team does Tua Tungavailoa go to? What are your guesses? I'm going to guess the Chargers, but guys, they are I don't the feel favorite good at plus 125. Connor? Okay. What are the Dolphins' odds? Plus 130, second place. Okay. I, a month ago, I put in money on the Chargers, and now I've started to sway back to the Dolphins. Okay. Jaguars are at plus 350. Raiders are at plus 1,000. Patriots are at plus 2,500. I feel like that's uh, just Vegas. Like, yeah, trying to take yeah. Money, that right? is, that's like fun baiting right there. Well, right? the Patriots were down. They're below Washington, the Lions, and the Raiders. But okay, so the two favorites there, so maybe not that much value. No, those You're are still low, getting plus low 125. Money low money bets. Um, first wide receiver drafted. Would you like to who, who are your who are your real predictions? Then I'll give you the odds. Mine's Lamb to the Raiders. Yeah. Lamb is I, even and he is the favorite. I go with Lamb, but you know about the rugs odds at a time. It changed, evaporated. You got the rugs at what, plus eight hundred? Seven hundred. I can get them today at plus three hundred. So it's pretty it's gone down a lot. Now the I, trade is trades is what can mess this up. Like if the Broncos trade up, then then it's Jerry Judy, you know, or if the Eagles trade up, it's Jerry Judy. Um, Really? And and the Niners are trying to get out. No, don't move on. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's just like there's just a tiny, tiny rumor that the Eagles could try to trade up for a receiver. No, no, no. But why Judy? Why do you think the Eagles like Judy? Oh, it's it's just the route running. Everything that he brings to it. He's perfect for what they have told everyone they want. Like... I know it's it's cliche. The Eagles want speed. They do, but they need someone who can run those breaking routes. Someone who can run the timing routes. They don't necessarily need someone to stretch the field. I will they need say someone this. get open underneath. The reason that makes a lot of sense is I looked at the Eagles situation and I said, do they really need a wide receiver? I don't think any team in the NFL plays more double tight end sets than the Eagles. So you know that Goddard and Ertz are going to be out there. You know Miles Sanders is going to be out there. And with his current contract, you know Alshon is going to be out there. So really, you got all these other guys going for one spot to get on the field. And there are other positions that need help on this team. The linebacking position is abysmal. And I know that Howie Mm -hmm. Roseman doesn't draft linebackers. But if you really look at the corners, other than Darius Slay, it's a lot of short guys that are out there. And if you really think that the Eagles, in my opinion, if they're really comfortable going into the season with Jalen Mills as their starting safety, to me, you're crazy. Because when I watched the Eagles Seahawks, I did not sit there and go, man, Josh McCown has no one to throw to. I said, there is not a single player on this field I trust covering DK Metcalf. And so for me, I honestly think that it might be smart to go with a McKinney or to go with uh, – because you have a, with the Eagles have a lot of guys that could play corner, but I just don't see it. But also the fact that you looked at how he has drafted offensive or defensive linemen in like five of the last seven drafts. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if they go there again, but who is rushing the passer for the Eagles? You got Derek Barnett. Oh, oh Exactly. So let me right. just say this out loud. Fletcher Cox will get you sacks but not more than like eight. The guy, we, Hargrave, he'll get you sacks, but not more than like eight. Malik Jackson, not more than eight. So it's Brandon Gray. I don't know. Like they could, they could use a pass rusher too. I just, 
the more and more I think about it, I don't know if the Eagles are going to go wide receiver in the first. I, Tra- trade no, it for I Yannick Ngakwe. There you go. I mean, I think wow. like the everyone has expected it to be Justin Jefferson because he's such a great fit. But if 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 he's gone, well, Patrick Queen makes a lot of sense too. You know, Kenneth Murray makes a lot of sense. So and I know you said, like you said, how he doesn't draft linebackers. Eventually, like you got to change your stripes a little bit, though. I know. Well, and also, this is a great day two linebacker class. So if they is don't it? move up and oh, it's phenomenal. If they don't move up, you don't have to take one in the 20s. Right. You just take one on day two and, and they are great with I, yeah. compensatory picks. I think late round two or round one, excuse me, is going to be interesting with the linebacker run because where, you know, Queen and Murray could come off at like 23-24. Yep. Does that push up Zach Bond to 30? Does it push up Jordan Brooks uh, to 28? You know, so right. from 23 to 30, four linebackers could be drafted. And so you're looking at Malik Harrison from Ohio State, Logan Wilson from Wyoming, who are good players. But the, that top four, like, I don't think they're making it back to Philly in round two. You guys are too good. Like They're not making it to 53. No. I would be surprised. But to someone like Kyle Duggar, who is versatile and can play you know, some safety, some linebacker, or Jeremy Chin, who can play right. some safety, some linebacker, you might be able to get your value there. Yeah. Or they look at like Willie Gay Jr., who had one of the craziest linebacker combines we've ever seen. He's got some you know character what? they might have to check. Yeah, <laughs> Miller, I'm talking you know like round three. <laughs> right, right, right. What Miller said about Judy, though, I think is very interesting because my friends were asking me, what the hell happened to Ortega Whiteside? And I said the the difficult thing about the Eagles offense is so much of it is option-based. Is it going to be a run? Is it gonna, Are they going to block? Mm-hmm. Or, like you have to really know the offense. And somebody like DK Metcalf, they can go, you're going to run goes and you're going to run slants early until you learn that stuff. And Judy as a route runner, the number one thing that I think has upset Carson is unreliable receivers. Nelson Aguilar's jobs, uh, Alshon Jeffrey's effort as of late, and then Deshaun Jackson's yeah. injuries. And of all the wide receivers, Judy is the most consistent. Judy is the one that I feel like is the quarterback's best friend, where Ruggs is the one that you can score right away. And C.D. Lamb, eh, maybe it is C.D. Lamb's I, I feel reliable. Yeah, yeah I feel it's confident just- with both of those guys. Lamb's fit is just so unique, you know, and I know I've said it on our show. I've said it on yours, like you don't want him seeing press coverage right away. I think he can develop it, obviously, but I think right away he's going to have a little bit of an acclimation period. Um, first offensive lineman taking back to prop bets. What are you doing? Jedrick Wills. Okay. And what's I, yours, went, Miller? I went away from my heart. I would, I went Tristan Wirfs on this. I think it should be okay. Wills. Right, should Wills versus, is will, will the be. favorite at minus one thirty. Really, Tristan Wharfs is plus one twenty. This is on the site that I use. Not going to give wow. free advertising. Mine are mine are much different. Andrew Thomas is plus five hundred. Makai Becton is plus a thousand. Josh Jones is plus five thousand. Ezra Cleveland plus seventy five hundred. Austin Jackson plus ten thousand. Where is the value there on this site? Not Wills. Those odds are terrible. No. Mine were plus I think 260. Worse. You think Wills plus 120? That's pretty good. I, I don't, what about I know Andrew Thomas? For Thomas? Yeah, I was say, there's been a late push for him because he's actually played left tackle in the SEC. And, and so, so who without, are the two left tackles? Thomas and Becton? Yeah. And, yeah, Wirfs, and Wirfs and, and Wills. Right. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think in a world without, like, we don't know what training camps are going to look like. We don't know what OTAs are going to look like. Anything. So Thomas is a sure thing. It, maybe not the high ceiling, but you know exactly what you're getting. Thomas so I think to the Chargers makes a lot of sense to me. 
It if does. You, if the Chargers go into next season with Thomas at left and Balaga at right, I think if you have I Chargers like fans who listen to this show, they will tell you Tom Telesco has never drafted tackles early. It's just not something they value. Now, again, that could change. You know, like obviously you have to do it eventually. Yeah. But yeah, you know, traditionally they're not an early offensive tackle team. Not since Fluker. Wow. That was his first draft. Yeah. And that was and when you draft DJ Fluker, ago? was was that thirteen? That was such a terrible draft. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah. So that actually I I have some notes on them uh that I actually actually did with offensive line, which is why I would be surprised if they did tackle because they've tried to improve offensive line. They've just missed. I mean, While you look for that, I have taken, a prop Here bet. it is. They've taken, okay. he, he's been running the draft since 2013. They've taken nine offensive linemen since then, one in the first round, five on day two. That's a mm. lot of offensive linemen on day two. You know who they took? Trey Pipkins. They did take Trey uh, Pipkins. Last year, yeah. All right, so I found one prop bet where I think there could be a lot of value because there's a player that I know that Connor loves. I don't know if Miller loves him too. There is a prop bet first safety drafted. Now, the runaway favorite is Xavier McKinney at minus 300. Antoine Winfield Jr. is plus 1,500. Is there because any of, chance? It's because of medicals. Mm. Grant yeah, Delpit second so. at plus 225. Man, if you could bet on Grant Delpit being the fourth or fifth safety drafted, I'd be all over that. <laughs> uh, I don't think with Winfield, I don't. Anything could happen, right? I don't want to sit here okay. and say, no, there's no way that could happen. You don't speak in absolutes in this job. McKinney should be the favorite. I think after that, anything could happen. It could be Winfield. It could be Delpit. It could be Chin. It, it could be um, Duggar. I think that, right. that group, second safety, they're all kind of right there together. Um, I had a few more, and then we're going to hang up because you guys got to go. But I'm so excited that I got to talk to you the week of the draft. Again, you can watch in the BR app. It's going to be right there when you pop it on. We are also going to be streaming on YouTube, but we'd love for you to check it out on the BR app where you can comment. It's going to be me, Miller, and Connor breaking down every picks and making videos. Andrew Thomas, I'm going to. I think about betting this one. Taken before. The 11th pick, plus 115. Feel good about that? I do. Yeah, I would do De- it. DeAndre Swift taken after pick 32 at even. I took that one it. in real life. Yeah, okay. I would take that one. Henry Ruggs taken before pick 14 at minus 120. <laughs> it's that Niners love. I would, uh, I would take that. I think someone will come up. All right, you bet early on, Connor, Jalen Hurts before 75, which is insane. What about before 58 at minus 120? Still doing it. Okay. I'm going to put all of these in as soon as I hang up. I would do it. Yeah, I was looking at where I... Miller, do you think Jalen Hurts is going to become a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, I had... I don't know that I was early... I don't know where I was at on, on the timing of his rise, it was really hard for me splitting him and Jordan Love. Like I like them pretty damn close to each other, and, and I think they wow. each have some holes in their game. So hopefully, we see them drafted somewhere that that will cover that up a little bit. I think Hurts becomes a starting quarterback. I do. How many offensive linemen do you guys think gets drafted in the first round? I went over six and a half. But how many do you think? Seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Over six and a half right now is at minus 175. I know you got that early. And then how many wide receivers in the first round? The over under that I'm seeing is five and a half, which seems under. I would go under that as well. I think five is under. 
Yeah, I'd go yeah. five, yeah. You don't see like the Mims or Pittman or Higgins like bringing it up a little bit? No, I think it'll be the big three, you know, Judy, Lamb, Ruggs. Uh, and then I think we'll see Justin Jefferson, obviously. And then Ayuk or Higgins. I would be surprised. Ayuk. Again, like we were talking about earlier, it's just hard to find those fits. Mm. So I think that's how they that's how they make their money is people are like, no, this is the best receiver class ever. Definitely taking that over. And it is a good receiver mm. class because of that people are waiting. until Exactly. They're all looking at each other, waiting to see who, when they come off the board. All right, guys, thank you so much. And again, everybody out there, make sure you got the BR app. And of course, join us on Thursday night. We're going live. We're breaking down every pick and we're going to have a lot of information. And I'm going to go put in these bets right now for Matt Miller. Say something inspirational. Uh, Stay safe. For Connor Rogers. I love you. Ooh, thanks. Wow. I'm the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man, we'll holla, holla, holla at you later. Peace.